The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation he provides for all who submit to him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. Welcome back, everybody. We're continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark, following the way of Jesus, and we've come to Mark chapter 5. We, in our last episode, we left with Jesus and the disciples on the boat. They had gone through this horrifying experience in the storm, thought they were going to perish, and they go and they wake Jesus up, who is so powerful. He's just sleeping through the storm. He's not worried about it. And their question is a really important one that I think everybody asks probably more frequently than we even realize mm. or maybe want to admit. Um, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we are perishing? Mark 4, verse 38, they say that. In many ways, that's the big question that everybody asks. So there's even, I think about there's a, there's a Christian hymn, Does Jesus Care? And it goes through all these scenarios, every verse. And the end conclusion is, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. But that can be hard to believe sometimes that, that Jesus really cares. Uh, so I think there's a, a, an important question for us to think about as we look at the stories here in Mark 5. Yeah, truly. Um, when you think about the world we live in and you think about the 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 the, the varieties of hardships um, that uh, that we face in this world, sometimes it's yeah, sometimes it's hard not to question whether or not God cares, whether or not the Lord actually cares. Therefore, it's helpful to be able to read stories like this to be reminded that actually, you know what, even when it doesn't look like it, the Lord, the Lord is still there and he still cares. Amen. Amen. So the disciples have this question in the boat. The sea is calmed. They have a follow up question at the end, the very end of that story in Mark, the end of Mark chapter four. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Mm. And they get out of the boat at the beginning of Mark five. And uh, well, they end up kind of doing more travel. But there's three stories in Mark chapter five that are meant to answer both of those questions. Who is this that has this kind of power? Right. But under that umbrella of does he really care? And so these stories show Jesus both his power and his compassion. We're going to focus today on his compassion in these stories. We've looked a lot at his authority and his power in previous discussions. And Mark is emphasizing that all the way through. But all that authority, all that power that Jesus has is uh, exercised under the governance of his care, of his compassion, of his mercy, of his kindness, of his love. And we're going to see that in a variety of ways here. So there's basically three stories. Uh, two of them are kind of intertwined. The first one is Jesus and the disciples meeting a demon-possessed man uh, in the, the Decapolis region, which was across the Sea of Galilee, kind of in Gentile country, a little further out from away, or at least closer into Gentile country, further out from where the disciples might have been more comfortable. Then they travel back and they end up meeting a man named Jairus, who has a daughter who's at the point of death and who actually does pass away. While they're on the way to Jairus's house, um, a woman who has a, a condition, a health condition that caused her to be bleeding continuously for 12 years uh, meets Jesus and there's a healing there. So anyway, these three interactions that Jesus has, all of them are meant to demonstrate his care. I'm just going to read the first five verses of Mark chapter five to kind of set the stage for this story. And then we're going to talk about, we're not going to read all of the text, obviously, here in Mark five. Um, but we're going to try to highlight in each of these three interactions that Jesus has. How does he show his compassion? How does he prove that, yes, 
he does care. Mark 5 verse 1 says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. Horrifying portrait here of this man's life and the condition that he was in. Pretty scary picture too. Um, You know, this guy's so strong that he's ripping apart chains breaking irons um i don't know about you if i'm one of these disciples getting off the boat i've just been through some trauma already you know <laughs> uh this is this is one of those times where I'm, I'm thinking about running back onto the boat you know maybe the storm wasn't so bad like let's get back out there um but uh i, I can't imagine what it'd be like to see this guy running towards you um but he runs up to jesus falls on his knees thing that gets me i think that really touches me uh here is that Jesus responds to his kind of rage, the demonic rage that's coming out of him, with with real compassion um, uh, by asking him, "What is your name?" Uh, you know, Jesus cares about this guy, um, even a guy that everybody else has kind of thrown off, had given up on. You know, so just like, "Hey, don't come near me." You know, uh, Jesus, it, it, Jesus cares about him enough to ask what his name is. Yeah, of all things, you can imagine the faces of some of the disciples like, I don't know, maybe introductions later. Let's take care yeah. of the, 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 the demon <laughs> thing. If this guy was so powerful and scary that, that right. people had to chain him up because they were so terrified of him, maybe we could deal with that. But you're right. That question in verse nine, what is your name, shows the care and interest on a personal level that Jesus has for this man. That's right. Uh, yeah, I love that, too. I, I mean, so. Jesus, maybe this one we might think of as a demonstration of power, and it is, but the exorcising of the demon, the casting out of the demon, shows Jesus' care too. Here's this man's problem, um, and Jesus is going to address that problem. It's just like when he forgave the sins of the paralytic in chapter 2, or, I mean, so many stories we've already looked at, him, the compassion that he showed to the leper in chapter 1. Um, Jesus takes care of the problem. Although the interesting thing about this is the man didn't want the demons cast out. There's a strange, and I don't know all of what that is, but he says, don't torment me. And I don't know why that was a torment, why that was a pain. Um, was it psychological? Was it physical? Was it spiritual? Is it something that blends all this together? I don't know. But I know that Jesus showed him care and compassion, even when it didn't seem like it would be very caring or compassionate or, or sweet to the man. But right. Jesus was still doing. In other words, Jesus was doing what was in the best interest of this man, which is important because when I sit back and I say, "Jesus, don't you care about me?" Well, sometimes he's saying, "Yeah, I'm caring about you. I'm I'm leading you in this path, and I know it's not very pleasant for you, but it is mm-hmm. good for you. And because I care for you, I'm going to do this thing that you may not really enjoy very much." Yeah, and I also love you know one of the ways that uh, care manifests itself is, is in courage. Um, and you really see Jesus here, I mean, acting in a very courageous way. I think when, when many of us would be tempted to run the opposite direction away, Jesus actually uh, stands his ground, speaks to the man, 
with 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 confidence and courage that he can cast out the demon, but also with compassion. And um and 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 I think that's helpful too for us to think about. Sometimes we wonder like where why why do I struggle so much with with cowardice? Like why am I so afraid to speak? Um why am I so afraid afraid to do what I need to do to help people? Um I think this story reminds us that actually when I care for people, it moves me to be courageous to help them and even be willing to take risks sometimes. Obviously for Jesus, it's not a risk. He's got the spirit of God on him. Um, But at the same time, uh, Jesus here is showing a remarkable amount of of courage in the way that he deals with this man and uh, given the impact that this guy could have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Another thing to me that I think is at least implied um, and, and someone might, and, and I may be, I hope I'm not stretching this out too much, but I think something that's implied in this text of another way Jesus showed care and compassion for this man. Uh, it's, it's not explicitly stated in Mark's account, although it is explicitly stated in Luke's account that when the man first met Jesus and the disciples, he was naked, mm. uh, which is probably partly to show how wild he was, how literally unchained by anything he is. It's probably also a little reminder of, Hey, this man's being plagued by the shame um, and darkness of evil and all that sort of thing. But after the the demons get cast out, and there's a whole interesting discussion we could have about that, but we're just focusing on Jesus' compassion primarily today. Um, in verse 15, it says all the people <clears throat> from the town came, and they see the man who they had known, who had this uh, set of demons named Legion that was inside the man. And it says, verse 15, and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man the one who had who had had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid two things i see here one is jesus didn't just do a drive by healing mm-hmm. he just sat there with the man and he had mm-hmm. his disciples sit there with the man what were they mm-hmm. talking about well i don't know but whatever it was they sit together he he shared in this man's life and shared let allow this man to share in his life but the other thing is where did this guy's clothes come from Right. Maybe he had a closet back in the tombs with clothes and he's decided to run out naked. But I don't I don't think that's the natural assumption we should have. I think the most natural assumption is that Jesus and or his disciples provided for this man clothing so that he was no longer ashamed of his nakedness. Now that the demon had been cast out, Um, he provided for his needs. And maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I can't prove that. But it sure seems to me that's the likeliest explanation. And even if someone says, ah, I'm not sure about that, we do know Jesus would provide for people's needs in the moment. That right. is important. There are bigger needs. Casting out the demon was the first thing. Jesus' first order of business wasn't like, hey, buddy, let me get you some clothes real quick. His first order of business was, let's get the demon out. But there's also the importance of showing the care and compassion to provide for a need that someone has, like right. giving them a shirt, giving them some shoes, giving them some clothes to wear, sitting there with them, hearing their story, sharing your story. He shows compassion right here with this man like that. Yeah. And I love that uh, that Jesus here is more concerned about loving this man than he is about what it might do to his reputation. Um, because think about it, you know, if you can imagine the people, uh, you know, first of all, the pig farmers like, all right, they got some issues with Jesus because this this guy, this, this guy just saved this demonic man that nobody liked anyways at the expense of their farm, you know, like uh, as their pigs run off in the lake. So you got that, but then you also got, um, you know, just the fact that Jesus doesn't send him away after healing him. He's hanging out with him. Now he's one of the disciples. 
Um, you know, I think it'd be tempting to be like, hey, you know, you, you know, maybe when the people come out, you go off by your side, you know, and wait for us over people there. People already say I work with demons anyways. I don't need right. Right. I don't, I don't need a demoniac disciple. Um, and uh, but but no, like Jesus is more concerned about loving this man in need than what it what it might lead other people to think about him. We know actually as a result of this, um, that uh that that people end up, you know, uh frustrated with Jesus, asking him to get away from him and all that. Um, but I love that about Jesus that that he loves people so deeply that he's willing to do things that might even hurt his reputation with some might even frustrate other people, but because he knows it's the most loving thing to do for this man created in the image of God. Yep. Yep. So the story, this, this part of the story ends before we move on to our next couple of interactions that Jesus has to show his care. Uh, the man wants to go with Jesus. And kind of like the man at first didn't want the demons cast out because it was a torment. I can imagine many, many reasons he wouldn't want to go back to his hometown. Right, right. right. And he didn't want to. He wanted to go with Jesus. But Jesus actually tells him no. But he tells him why. He tells him no in verse 19. It says he did not permit him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Mm. So the man went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And interestingly enough, in a couple of chapters, sometime later, some some period of time later, Jesus returned to this region, and many thousands of people gathered. Well, how did this region go from telling Jesus, "Please leave and don't you know, we don't want you here," to then many thousands gathering to hear Jesus uh, teach the word? I have to imagine at least it was in part because of this man and because of his message. And what was his message? The great things God has done for you and how he had mercy on you. That was what this guy walked away with. That's what Jesus wanted this guy to walk away with. Look at the ways I've cared for you. Go tell people about that. Um, and even this would have been a caring instruction because if this man had just left, there have been a lot of unresolved things, a lot of unresolved. You mentioned the word trauma from his past that he was never confronting. A lot of who knows all the bad things he had done when he was possessed by the demons right. and never being able to kind of do something good in place of all that bad. Jesus right. sent him back so that he could proclaim this message of power and of mercy and love from on high. And in that way, you can imagine that, that man seeing the good that came of that as people came to at least be curious and eventually to become even believers in the Messiah, Jesus, because he went and told people, yes, God cares. And he cares through us for us through his son, Jesus, who's come among us. So I love that ending to the story. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and, and it's a good reminder too, that, that, that the fact that Jesus cares for me does not mean that he's always going to give me everything I wish. Right. I mean, this guy wants to go with Jesus, be with Jesus, stay with Jesus. And it almost feels kind of unloving that Jesus would be like, nah, you ain't coming with me. Like you go back home. But Jesus is is is, is most interested in extending the love of God, not just to me, but also to those around me. And Jesus knows the power of what he's done in this man's life and the impact it can have on other people. We need to recognize that sometimes we won't always understand why things happen the way they do or why God doesn't answer our prayers the way we ask him to or 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 um or hear all of our requests and give us exactly 
what we want. Um, that does not mean that he doesn't care about us. In fact, he has ways of doing things that are far greater. I might have been tempted to think, hey, yeah, Jesus, probably better for this guy to go with you, Jesus. After all, he's not really liked in his hometown anyways. But Jesus knew better um, how best to extend his love, not just to the man, but also to the people of Decapolis as well. Amen. Well, and, and your premise right there is a perfect segue into these next couple of stories, which are kind of the Purposely, the text intertwines them. And there's a couple of people who certainly would have said, I don't understand why things are going the way they're going. Mm. First of all, there's a man named Jairus who's described as a leader of the synagogue in verse 22. He comes, falls before Jesus and begs him and says, my little daughter is at the point of death. But please come, lay your hands on her, heal her, and she'll be made well. She was 12 years old. The text will, will tell us. Um, so Jesus goes because he cares. Um, and he's on his way. There's a woman who comes upon him. The text describes her as having a, a flow of blood. Uh, this of course would be a uniquely female disease where she was uh, bleeding continuously for 12 years. The text mm -hmm. says that, uh, of course she was uh, suffered greatly at the hand of physicians who tried to resolve her issue, <laughs> but they didn't make it better. Only made it, it only got worse. Besides that, she had spent all her livelihood trying to get doctors to help her with this. So she's impoverished. And one thing we should note is that for a Jewish woman, um, the the laws related to um, any kind of bodily discharge would have made her considered unclean. Uh, when you go back and read about the stuff in in the Torah, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, she would have been considered unclean. And therefore sort of ostracized from a lot of social activity and involvement because of her disease. If there's ever somebody who uh, would wonder why me, why this, what did I do wrong? Does God love me? Is God mad at me? Is there a God? Does God care? All that kind of stuff. She certainly would have it as much as she had it for 12 years here. Jairus with his 12 year old daughter, who's at the point of death. Same kind of question. We'll come back to Jairus in a minute. Well, let's talk about this woman. What do you like about how Jesus shows his care? Well, I guess I should finish up just what happens in the story. She ends up um, believing so deeply in Jesus that she can swipe some healing. She pushes through the crowd, says, hey, if I touch his garment, boom, I'll be healed. And she is. And then she uh, kind of scoots away thinking that she's been healed. And then that's it. What do you like about how Jesus shows compassion, care, mercy to this woman? Well, each of these stories, I think, really shows Jesus doing things that nobody else can do, right? You know, with the demon-possessed man, I mean, nobody could help him. You know, everybody giving up on him. With this woman, I mean, she's been to every doctor. Uh, she's been, uh, and it's only it's only increased her disappointment and her disenchantment, her disillusionment. Um, but so one of the things is just that uh, <clears throat> Jesus is thoughtful uh, of the needs of those around him. Even when there's like really pressing things like uh, that he's in the middle of, um, you know, I mean, this is one of those cases where I, I think this would be really hard for Jairus. And I, I think it'd be hard for Jesus, you know, like, hey, this guy's obviously devastated. His, his, his young daughter um, is dealing with an urgent need. Meanwhile, there's this woman who has a chronic condition. I mean, this has been going on for 12 years. It's not like, oh got to deal with this right now. Um, but Jesus, man, always knows how to help people in the moment. 
Um, and I love, I love the fact that, that, uh, that even while he's on the way to deal with this urgent need, he still has compassion upon those around him. Um, he just knows how to love people um, in all different circumstances and hardships of life. Uh, and you see that here with this woman. Yeah. Well, the thing that's particularly noteworthy to me about that is she was healed without him doing anything. She yeah. pushes through the crowd. She gets there. Boom. She, she does because of her faith. God allows her to be healed. She touches his garment. Bang. She's healed. Well, Jesus could have just let her go. He perceived right. 30. Yeah. yeah. In verse 30, Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him. He could have just looked across the way, seen her walking away from the crowd, giving her a little head nod and kept it pushing. And that could have been it. But he doesn't do that. He stops the whole thing. Hey, who touched me? And the disciples respond. They're like, um, hey, look around. There's a huge crowd. Like everybody's been touching you. What are you talking about? You know, everybody's mashing in around you on the way to, to Jairus's. So the thing that impresses me, though, is Jesus had some other reason for stopping than to provide healing because the woman already had been healed. And it seems to me the thing that happens next is the woman gets called out, which at first seems like maybe Jesus is going to get onto her. Maybe he's mad at her. Maybe he's going to, you know, how dare you, you know, steal from some healing or how dare you uh, come in here an unclean woman amongst all these other people and whatever. That could have been what he does. In verse uh, 33, it says the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And I gather that doesn't just mean she said, I pushed through the crowd and touched you. But that she told her whole story, the whole truth. Right. 12 years. I went to this doctor and he tried this and it didn't work. I imagine that must have taken some time. Whatever the whole truth is, and that's the text specifies that. It's not just the truth, but the whole truth. Jesus listened to her story. He showed her that care. Like you said, he wasn't like, hey, we got import, We got an important person. Jairus is a leader of the synagogue. He's an important man. And his daughter is at the point of death. This is an important moment. I got to keep it moving. This woman was important to Jesus even just hearing what she went through to hear the whole story. He showed compassion and care for her in that listening that he, that he did for her, which I really love. Yeah. And, and, and you're not going to find Jesus discriminating with his love. Right. I mean, we, got, again, we got this demon possessed man. We got this woman that everybody's, you know, uh, given up on. And, and then you got the rich, you know, um, Jairus, you know, the synagogue leader, you assume this is an important, important guy. Um, and, but Jesus shows the same compassion to each one of them. And uh, and the fact that there's a synagogue leader in need um, doesn't stop Jesus from showing compassion to the to the woman that everyone's forgotten, um, who, who is desperately in need yeah. um, at the time. Also, it also gets me that, uh, you know, he, he calls her out like that. I, I think if I'm her, I'm feeling pretty embarrassed and pretty humiliated by that being called out in front of the whole crowd. But, what'd you say fear and trembling it says when she came yeah. yeah that's right that's right she's 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 feeling that um as she comes up to him but jesus again is concerned about deeply loving people caring for people not just about their own comfort and by by healing this woman he's not only showing his love and compassion for her but also for the crowd who needed to hear her story yeah. And who needed to see the power that Jesus uh, that had come out of Jesus, so that they too could turn to Him and find healing. 
Uh, and I'm not just talking about being healed of uh, whatever diseases or sicknesses they had, but that they could turn and find healing from their sin and from their uh, sorrows and from the just the hardships of life. Um, Jesus is the one who knows how to comfort. Jesus is the one who knows how to heal wounds that just continue. Jesus is the one who can forgive sins and take away our sins. And, and, and you see Jesus here um, taking the time to use her story to bring healing to others. 100%. That's a great point. I thought of that. Allowing the other people to actually hear it was act of care for them too. Yeah. Uh, last thing before we look at Jairus's daughter to wrap this thing up. Verse 34, he listens to her. And I don't know, what was she thinking about? Oh, he's going to be so mad at me that I mm-hmm. snuck up on him and healed him. And I'm an mm-hmm. unclean woman. And and plus, you know, I've always wondered, and I, I this is me, Assuming a little bit, although we do know that followers of Jesus and the people around Jesus assumed if you have a chronic illness like this, it's probably that somebody sinned. You can look at John 9 and see that. Would she have thought, is God mad at me? What did I do? I don't even know. I, I keep trying to ask forgiveness. But whatever she would have been going through. These are the words Jesus says to her. Verse 34, daughter, your faith has made you well. Mm. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. I really love that because Jesus does a couple of things. One, he just grants her peace. Go in peace. Go be whole. Don't 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 be broken anymore by this stuff. Um, but he also commends her for her uh, for her spiritual well being or health. Your faith has made you well. The reason why you're healed, of course, anybody would be like, well, the reason she's healed is because of you, Jesus. But Jesus says the reason she was healed was because of her faith. Instead of taking an opportunity to commend himself. He commends her for her right. faith. And no doubt somebody that people would have thought, wait, is she faithful? I think she may have violated the law. I'm not really sure by coming up to Jesus like this. And plus, was she bad and got punished for all the bad? Whatever they may have thought, Jesus commends her. Jesus gives her words of comfort, commending her for her faith, um, sending her off in peace and, and reassuring her, too. I think that be healed. Obviously, she already was healed. The text tells that she was healed immediately. I think the implication is Jesus saying, hey, don't worry. It's not coming back. This isn't a temporary healing. You can have assurance as you move forward. So I love that that Jesus speaks words of comfort after he listens to her words and her story and allows the people to hear her story. He extends those words of comfort that she needs to hear and that everybody else needs to hear him say. Uh, Amen. Jesus wants her to have peace and he wants her to be freed from her suffering. And, uh, and the same is true today. We might feel like sometimes in the midst of suffering, Jesus doesn't care for me. If he did, why would he let me go through this? This story reminds us, no, Jesus wants us to have peace and he wants us to be freed from our suffering. And that's what he came to, to bring to each and every one of us. Yeah. So I imagine being one of the disciples and when we we're on the boat back at the end of chapter four, our question was, Lord, don't you care? And it's like, man, yeah, he really does care. I mean, he saved us from that storm, but he helped that demon possessed man in all the ways that he did, showed his compassion and mercy. Here's this woman and we're just seeing it. And it just brings tears to our eyes to see Jesus show so much compassion and mercy and care and kindness to this woman. He really does care. But then one of the servants from Jairus's house comes and they say, hey, it's over. Your daughter has died. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. Why bother? Mm. And this would be, Jesus didn't have to listen to this woman's story. Right. He didn't have to stop the crowd. Right. He didn't have to do all that. 
we could have gotten there and this little girl would not have died. Right now we're kind of right back to where we were. Wow. Does he care? If he knew that the power went out from him to heal this woman, wouldn't he have been able to know when this little girl was going to die? And if that's the case, then he knew this bad thing was going to happen and he let it happen. I'm not saying all that's true, but these would be the questions that would be raised in your mind in that moment as you're standing there. I love Jesus' response in verse 36. Do not fear, only believe. And so they come. Um, they've come to the house at this point. The mourners have gathered and people are weeping and mourning and, and all this sort of thing. It's a big, you know, it's just a really tragic, terrible, horrifying scene. But uh, but Jesus isn't going to leave it there in tragedy. He's going to do a variety of things to show compassion to Jairus and show compassion to his little girl who Jesus says hasn't really died, but has only fallen asleep. What do you like about the way Jesus shows his care, his mercy, his love, his kindness, his compassion with uh, Jairus's daughter? Well, isn't isn't even even Jesus healing of this woman on the way compassion toward Jairus? Don't be afraid. Just believe. Well, how can I trust that you're actually going to heal? Well, look what I just did for this woman. Look at how I helped her and look at look at the power that can come out of me. I think even with that healing, he is feeding Jairus's faith and strengthening Jairus to um, to believe. And then obviously, once he comes to the house, um, you know, at first it seems like Jesus is being a little insensitive to this. You know, everybody's crying, wailing loudly, and he's like, "Hey, why are you doing all this?" Well, duh, like of course we're going to be doing this. But Jesus continues, "The child is not dead, but asleep." Uh, and this phrase asleep or this term asleep is often used in the Bible when speaking of Christians who uh, have passed away because the, the the idea is one day they will wake up. Jesus here is using that term the same way. I think he says that she's asleep, not because, you know, she's just taking a nap, but because he knows what he's about to do. And what greater care or, or love could Jesus show um, Jairus than to show that he can raise her up from the dead. Not only is he restoring the relationship uh, that Jairus had with his daughter um, and bringing her back to good health, but he's also showing the power that he has to be able to raise up people who are dead in their sins. Um, and this story, I think, is a reminder that no matter how bad life may get, no matter how dead we may seem, we may seem, Jesus has the power to resurrect us and to transform us. Yeah. Which shows his ultimate care, his ultimate mercy. And this is a little bit of a theme of all these. The demon possessed man, Jesus made him go through some hard stuff, like taking the demons out and sending him back to his home crowd. Uh, mm -hmm. A woman, while she was healed, Jesus didn't give her all her money back. Jesus couldn't get, or didn't give her those 12 years back. She still had loss in these right. things. Uh, and then here, uh, to your point, there's there's some uh, some bigger things going on, some bigger care Jesus is showing that's more eternal and deeper. And it's about faith and not just about things in the moment. But that being said, as we've seen with each one of these things, Jesus, uh, somehow that man got clothes and Jesus sat down and talked with him. And, and Jesus stopped the crowd to listen to this woman. Jesus does some really tender, impressive things in um, in this story, I think, with how he raises Jairus's daughter. There's a couple of kind of curious details. One, 
He doesn't take the crowd. He doesn't even take all of his disciples. He only takes Peter, James, and John, according to verse 37. Um, In verse 40, it says all the people are laughing at Jesus whenever he said the bit about she's only asleep. Mm. Of course, I didn't understand the things you just explained about what Jesus was doing. Jesus put them all outside. And I love that, that image in the house. Jesus is just, you know, hurting people out, just pushing them out the door. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. Family, grandma, get out of here. Uncle, get out of here. Neighbor, best friend, get out, get out, get out. And so it's, it's Jesus, the child's father and mother, and then the disciples who are with him. Uh, and that's it. And then verse 41, he's there in the room with her, with this incredibly small crowd. And then it says he took her by the hand, which we know wasn't necessary. Jesus didn't have to do this. It wasn't some magical thing, but Jesus takes her by the hand. And then um, we have the the words in Aramaic, like what Jesus actually said. And I think probably Mark does that to bring us into the room, to make us hear the words, to feel what the parents would have felt as Jesus spoke to their daughter, little girl, I say to you, arise. He speaks with tenderness to her. A dead girl, Jesus shows tenderness in the way he speaks to her. And then immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years old. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And then verse 43, uh, he strictly charged them that no one should know about this, which was common for Jesus to do with his miracles, uh, especially in the Gospel of Mark. But then I love the last line of verse 43. And he told them to give her something to eat. The, The holding the hand... The calling her little girl, the, hey, 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 y'all don't get too excited. Make Get get some of that food. I know everybody's fasting today because this child died. I don't know if they were, but I imagine they may have been. But get this kid something to eat. You know, dying dying gets you hungry, I guess. I don't know. But get her something to eat, right? All these little acts of of Jesus. Sometimes when people are so powerful, they just kind of blow in, do the thing, and then I'm out of here. And I don't think about how it, what I leave behind. But Jesus does all this in such a way to to show real tenderness and care for this little girl. I don't know that I can prove this next part either. But um, one time I remember teaching this and there was a a really godly sister I know who uh, wasn't being corrected. She was sharing her perspective on something else because I I can't remember. I'd made some passing comment about, you know, maybe some reason why Jesus only had such a small crowd. And the woman said, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if Jesus just knew it'd be pretty strange for that girl to come back from the dead with a whole mess of people in the house. Yeah. Maybe Jesus just knew she might need a minute with her mom and dad. Right. And I love that. I don't know if that's why it doesn't say, but I do love that thought of that because it certainly tracks with what we've seen in this story, all the tenderness, all the care, all the personal attention Jesus gives. Does Jesus care? Yeah, he definitely cares. He's really thoughtful, you know? Uh, And that's the thing. Like one of the, one of the ways that Jesus demonstrates his love, is just in his thoughtfulness for what what the people around him need in the moment and how to be most tender and gracious to them. And each of these stories shows that in different ways. Uh, what is your name to Legion? Um, you know, uh, with the woman, um, you know, uh, who uh, who is coming with the blood, uh, just calling her, calling her to her attention and uh and giving her an opportunity to to extend that same love to others and then here with the daughter uh, as well um what a, what a blessing it is to know that Jesus cares um because he doesn't just say it you know there's it's it's common here oh yeah i care about you you know 
Jesus is a person who, who backs up his words with his actions. And each of these stories shows us the depth of his care. Yep. Yep. All right. Last thing I'll share over here and then uh, and kick in what you think, because we want with all these things, we're not just trying to see Jesus. We want to follow in the way of Jesus ourselves. The things he does, I mean, we can't do everything necessarily that he did, like down across for the sins of the world. But the great majority of the things he does, he says, I've done these things as a model for you to follow. You kind of alluded to this earlier, I think, with with one of the stories we were talking about. But uh, we need to learn to show the same kind of care for others. Hmm. I may not have opportunity to cast demons out of people and people touching the hem of my uh, garment may not heal them of, of a disease. But really all the ways that we've talked about Jesus showing care, showing personal interest in people, hearing people's stories, imparting to them words of truth and words of comfort. Um, so on, and we could go through all these things, uh, trying to have a personal connection with people, thinking about what people need, et cetera. I need to learn to show that same kind of care to other people around me. And whatever I do have, I need to be ready and willing and able to share that with others so that they can receive strength and help and comfort just like Jesus gave that in his demonstration of care. I'm challenged by this, uh, these stories right here. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, encouraged by them. I'm excited by them. When I think about Jesus' care for me and for others, I'm challenged by them. Like I think the disciples were supposed to be challenged as Jesus says, hey, follow me, come do this. This is what we're doing. We're not running away from problems. We're not, we're not running past people whenever they have problems. We're not gonna run over people when they've got problems, but just doing our business. We're going to care for people. We're going to have compassion. We're going to be merciful. And uh, I'm really challenged and convicted by this. And to think about how I need to do this for my family, my neighbors, my brethren in church, uh, those who mistreat me, those who I, whatever. I need to learn to show the same kind of care for others. Well, and that's what it means to follow in the way of Jesus, right? Um, the reason we're studying this book together is uh, is twofold. One, to see just the beauty of Jesus and who it is and why it is we should follow him. But then number two, to figure out how to actually do that. And we study Jesus not only to see his beauty, but also to uh, allow the beauty of his life to transform our lives, to become like him. And as we think about uh, Jesus' compassion as care, we need to be asking ourselves the question, uh, how am I doing at extending his care? Oh man, look at all the ways that I've received it by the grace and power of God through Jesus Christ. Now, how am I doing at extending that same care to others? Amen. Yep. I'm gonna read a passage to wrap us up. It's from, uh, from first John chapter two, verse four, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected by this. We may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says he abiding abides in him, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked in his love. Chapter three, John kind of continues the same thought. Chapter three, verse 16. By this, we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but indeed in truth. Let's follow in his steps. Amen. Thanks as always, everybody, for joining us. We'll look forward to next time. If, we need, if you need anything, if we can help you in any way, 
let us know and uh, we'll do what we can to, to help you out as you learn more about Jesus and follow in his way. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.